Alex, this is one of your hosts, Brett. You said that like you were disappointed in yourself. I don't want to be me. That's, <laughs> what, that's what everything is. All right, so this is a very different episode already than we expected. I'm changing my name by the end of this episode. Great. It's all over. Awesome. And this is your other host, Matt. Uh, welcome once again to the show. We've got a really great story lined up that we're going to be discussing today. Yeah, and this is also part of uh, a thing that I think we've done accidentally, but it's also like podcast crossover. Yeah. Like yes. in a way. That's in right. a way. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we'll also be we'll also be actually crossing over with Comic Book Club oh, yeah. on uh, Tuesday, February fifth at seven p.m. at Fontana's. Yeah, come at seven for Comic Book Club. Stay at eight for Matt Brett Love Comics. Yeah, live or come at eight for Matt Brett Love Comics, but get there an hour earlier for Comic Book Club. There you go. Either one, it's, it's free. Way to look at it from both sides <laughs> of them. <laughs> well, I feel like we should we are the we should be the most important part, right? Well, I, comic Book Club is second tier. The for comics us. should be the most important okay, part. Whatever. It's about the work. <laughs> it's, it's about the work and the art. It's about the work of talking into microphones. Yes. For people. Uh, yeah, so we're reading uh, Love and Rockets, issue 20 today. And joining us are two very talented, very funny people. Uh, with us is Mr. Will Hines. Greetings. Hello. Yes. And also joining us is Mr. John Frusciante. Hello there. How are you guys you doing might, today? Very yeah. well. You might recognize them from the uh, Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Indeed. As well as the Possibly. UCB Pod- Long Form Conversations podcast. That's true. That's right, yeah. That's yeah. It used to be called the UCB Comedy Podcast. Uh, or the UCB Theater UCB Podcast. UCB Theater Podcast, yeah. and now it's the UCB Long Form Conversations. So you're like, right. it used to not have a name, and now it has a name, basically. It had uh, a name that I got wrong. It, yeah. It, yeah, it has a more specific yeah. name. It used to be like, well, well, what do we call the UCB Podcast? The UCB Podcast? Sure. <laughs> no <laughs> one has an actual yeah. name. But it used to have a name that I thought would reflect, like... This is the podcast of the UCB Theater, but we decided to uh, hone it a little bit. Well, the other thing, too, <laughs> so is... we would expect original comedy content, and that's... we were just interviewing people, so we had yeah. to make it more clear that it's oh. just, like, interview-ish. That's right. And, and it's not like really a comedy bang-bang sort of thing. Yeah, which, I mean, to talk, to talk fan, fan-ishly, I'm making mm-hmm. up words. Of course. Uh, that's what I like hearing more. I, I love the podcast uh, that you guys do because of that, because it is... Finding out just like the weird things that people have, oh, or even like the the very the Achilles episode, the very deep improv theory episode, <laughs> doing yeah. pattern games and doing initiation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I was I was I listened to that on a cross country trip with my boy <laughs> for Thanksgiving with my boyfriend sleeping in the side and me just like driving, thinking like, yeah, what would I initiate? <laughs> so, I like hearing things like that. Help me out. Yeah, um, it, and even in terms of comic books, it's, it's you get a lot of origin stories. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the, right. Yeah, on the secret uh, origin show. story of Zach Woods. Uh, yeah, that's right. Don Finelli's episode was insane. Like his life mm. before yeah. becoming like doing that's UCB. Right. Yeah. If you find out that a lot of improvisers have already lived a life before doing right. improv. Like yeah. they've already yeah. gone through this like college career. It's true. And People are interesting. Yeah. yeah, is what it turns out. How do you guys? Uh, how do you guys feel like coming off of episodes? Uh, because you're you're sort of in it every week. Because we want to yeah. kill ourselves. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I I feel bad because I feel like I'll never top as good as I was in that episode. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, he I, is I, kidding. <laughs> well, that's like a weird both like confidence and no confidence because confidence because it's like I was pretty awesome in that episode, but no, no I, I, I yeah I gen- I actually generally feel good. Um, I usually yeah me feel, too. I usually feel like they're pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, um, yeah, we got good interviews and good guests and asked good questions and, you know, made some jokes. I usually feel good coming off of them. I usually feel like, wow, this person was a great interview. There was a time when we were first doing it that I just wasn't sure what it was. I didn't have, like, a bar in my head to measure them against. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, I don't even really know what this is. Did we do well? 
how do I even know? Yeah, that's a good point. I but now to... we've done enough of them that I have a kind of feeling. I usually, yeah, usually they're they're good. They're what, sort are you, of... what are your favorites that you've done? What I liked um, I liked a lot of them, but I liked uh, Michael Delaney's. I found his life very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, making jewelry and sort of training outside of UCB. Oh yeah. Um, I like that one very much. I like the Don Finale one because he makes me laugh as a human being a lot. <laughs> yeah. Everyone makes me laugh we've had on, but Don in particular is a goofy person who makes me kind of smile. Yeah. Naturally, so I really like that one. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I liked both of those. I, we just did one uh, the other day with Darcy. Oh, Right. Um, and that one is great, and I can't yeah, wait to really hear it. That one's really good. Uh, Matt Bester's, I really liked. I was just going to say that the yeah. Bester one was great. Um, Can you I, even talk about his sort of improv fanboy days? Yeah, it was interesting oh, wow. things that he was sort of starry-eyed about. Yeah, and this was back in the original incarnation of the podcast. That was one of the last episodes, ones, right? Yeah, the last yeah. One. it is the last one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, I also like to say to people that don't do improv or or know anything about the UCB. Um, I still think it's it's a very interesting listen because all creative processes I think are the same in a way. Like you, you're listening to people who are trying to do a thing, and just the work ethic that they have to yeah. do the thing. It's all still such a fascinating. Like I'll listen to episodes of WTF, who I have no idea who the person is, right. just because like the story of like the theory that they have towards being towards reaching whatever level of success they've had is still an interesting thing to me. Yeah, that's a great um, So I would say, check it out. <laughs> Thank also, you. Yeah. Also, it's a really great, uh, I'm a postcard from New York. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are definitely people who move to L.A. Uh, who listen yeah, to it. Charlie Sanders listens to every yeah. episode. Anthony King listens to every episode as well. Hmm. <laughs> and now you guys, uh, so you guys have been in New York for a while yeah. doing comedy. Yeah. Um, and with sort of the expansion of UCB, even in general, like, uh, how has... How's the sort of comedy scene changed since you came to New York versus today? Like, what have you seen, uh, how have you seen it, and how do you feel that it's uh, grown or even taken steps backward? Well, the UCB scene has changed a lot, and I'm mostly insular to that world. I mean, I have some opinion of the comedy world outside of UCB, but I'm not as familiar with it. You know, I'm pretty much just been locked up in this campus the whole time. I mean, and, and DCB has changed mostly just from getting so much bigger. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know? Good and bad. Yeah. Good in terms of influence and just a larger number of people coming through its gates and bad that it's a little less personal sometimes and it's, you, you feel things slipping through its cracks or at least there, I don't know if that actually even happens but there's this sense that there might be people slipping through the cracks because the, the machine is too big and it can't like... Oh, Sure hold on to the people who walk through as much. That's an anecdotal thing, actually. I don't even have numbers to back that up. Right. <laughs> it's true. I, and I think that's the biggest thing that I've noticed is just the expansion of the improv scene. Um, as similar to Will, I don't have a whole lot of experience with what's going on outside. Um, but the UCB community has grown. The improv community in New York City has grown by leaps and bounds. I, I think one thing I... I, I I do think is right now there are there are less comedy opportunities in New York than maybe there were in years past. Yeah. I, I think from people that I've talked to recently who know more than I do, it seems like maybe that's going to get that's going to improve in the next year or so. But I think we've seen more comedy professional comedy jobs move to. Um, 
Los Angeles. But also the the other huge thing is just the the since I started doing comedy, the internet happened. Oh yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And that's largely where people do comedy and get famous and yeah. or get well known or establish themselves today. Yeah, yeah, that's. That's, like, I was just talking last night, just telling my boyfriend about like an internet video, just watching like 2007. I was like, oh yeah, I went to break.com to watch it. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, it's because like, YouTube wasn't really a thing. Like, right. I, I remember, right, I remember yeah. being an internet late show in 2006 and having, in the research department, having one of the re- researchers being like, I want to watch some funny internet videos. I love funny internet videos now. Because that was like a new thing. Right. Yeah. Like, Show me some more funny internet videos. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but when I was doing comedy in New Jersey with a, a a comedy group, we like made a website and we'd make these like ten minute long internet videos. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and it was like a huge. It was like a big deal. Like, what do you mean we're gonna make a video and put it on the internet? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's um, like magic. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, now it's like what you. Now it's how you get noticed as a comic. Yeah, it's how you do any like web series, like everything. Oh yeah, all, I, I was just on. I was on Instagram. Yesterday, and I rarely do the explore button, where it just shows you a bunch of random stuff that other people are doing. And right. one of them was like a screen grab of a YouTube uh, page. So I clicked on it, and it's this kid who looks like he's in his early 20s, and he has like 250,000 Instagram followers. I've never heard of him before in his li- in yeah. my life. And like he just has all these like parody videos and comedy mm-hmm. videos that he puts up on YouTube, and there's this whole culture of people that I feel like I'm pretty comedically savvy. Like I, it's something that I've kind of followed all my life but I have no idea who, who this is <laughs> yeah. now yeah. there's yeah. just so much yep. yeah. out there and the ability to do it is uh... so send us your comedy videos yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to pick the best one we'll yeah. play that's, the uh, we'll play the America's Funniest Home Videos theme under this oh, part God. of the speak about oh, America's Funniest Home Videos driven out of the out of a job it's still on the air which it's is still crazy to me oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's true yeah. How? why why are all those videos there there's a huge segment of the population that's always very slow to adopt new ways of doing things. Yeah. People know how the television works, and they don't know how their computer works still. Right. Yeah. That's who's keeping that and alive. And they don't know yeah. where to go um, yeah. to find... I mean, AOL still exists. Yeah. yeah. AOL has changed a great deal, but even the original model of AOL still exists. Wow. Like there keywords? are people who, yeah. like... Yeah. I don't wow. know about that, but there are people whose their connection to the internet is their AOL service. That's yeah. my mother. Yeah. Wow. She still uses However, you learn how to. I mean, humans don't like learning new ways to do things. That's true. And that's why America's Funny Some Video is on the air. Wow. Mm. They don't yet know new ways to get their <laughs> hit in the crotch videos. <laughs> but also, YouTube isn't going to. They trust put Tom in... Bergeron. He is their tastemaker. YouTube yeah. doesn't put in the sound them. effects either. That's or true. the voiceovers. So yeah. there should, yeah. should be a YouTube service that does that. Um, but speaking about being exposed to new things, uh, will Heinz expose all three of us to a new thing for mm-hmm. this episode? Because I've never. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, this is my first time experiencing an issue of Love and Rockets, uh, something that we were discussing this earlier. It's a book that you, you had said, and, and I agree with you, that like most people know of, but probably not a lot of people have experienced. I think a lot of people have heard of it. It's really critically acclaimed, but I don't think it's that popular. I don't think yeah. many people have really read it. Yeah. It's sort of like a Fellini film or something. It's like, oh, I should watch that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's they how I've always really. felt about it. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to have never read it before. I feel, you know. And you're, very few people have. Yeah. yeah. And John, you're like a you're a big music guy too. Yes. Like yeah. you're you're you have you have a vault. <laughs> uh, you have a vault of music knowledge. Uh I possibly. Yeah. <laughs> you do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You do. Yes. You do. Yeah. I do. Uh and and this this to me, you know, looking back from now, uh this issue was published in 1986. Uh it even has like a very sort of like like rock vibe, yeah, yeah. to it. Well, a lot of the characters are 
punk. Basically, yeah. or like ha- or like Jamie's the- characters or yeah. Jaime, because I say his name, but I like the sound of the word Jamie better. But Jaime, uh, Jaime's characters are L.A. punks. Okay, yeah, or Southern California punks. Yeah, what? Yeah. I mean, I have a bajillion questions about just like where this came from and who these guys are, and like the even like the format of issues. Or is every issue two stories like this? No. Um. Well. First of all, I'm going to talk about music. The band Love and Rockets named themselves after this. Yes, uh-huh. yeah. that I did know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bauhaus was a band. Mm-hmm. They met Alan Moore. Alan Moore showed them a bunch of comics, including Love and Rockets. And they're like, some of those guys are like, that's a good name. And they used it for their band. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is true. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I, uh, I always wondered what the, the correlation was there. And then became much more famous than the comic ever was. Right. Yeah. Well, what? Where does yeah. the title come from? Does it? Does it? Does it? Reference just them. It they were like sci-fi. The Hernandez brothers, Jaime and Gilbert, are the two main creators. Sometimes their other brother Mario gets involved, but not that often. He is mentioned in the letters column. Okay. Because they yeah. say like Mario's the oldest brother, yeah. and he it was his idea to do a comic. But the other two were the main actual producers of the stuff. Oh. Okay. Their mother. Oh. They were southern. California, Mexican-American family. Their mother was a huge comics fan. Oh, wow. 60s, R. Crumb, crazy, hippy-dippy comics. Yeah. Huh. Had them all around the house. The whole family read them. They all drew them as kids for fun. And then it turned out that Jaime and Gilbert could actually draw. Mario, wow. too. Jaime especially well. Yeah. yeah. Jaime has... started getting noticed for him. It's like, oh, this kid really can draw. Everyone else yeah. was a sort of competent artist. Yeah. But Jaime, very young, was like... And so they just did it for fun. They would do posters for their friends, and they were so they. This is seventies, right? So they mm-hmm. like like um, heavy metal, the comic book, yeah. which yeah. is like you know European sort yeah. of sexy Mobius robots, yeah. weird stuff, <laughs> yeah. pterodactyls with gladiators, and yeah, yeah. yeah. and French. everybody's got boobs, yeah, yeah. yeah. And ripped women with large boobs, right, right, yeah, yeah. and uh, our crumb stuff like druggy, trippy stuff. They they also were huge. Superhero fans, especially Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, and they were huge comic strip artist fans, like mm. Dennis the Menace, Charles Schultz. They loved like little economical. Yeah, the whole family did. Their whole yeah. family was a weird incubator of all this comic stuff. Huh. You know, it's interesting too. Like in their storytelling, both of their storytelling, there's a lot of economy there. Um, yeah. You, I feel like, uh, especially in Jaime's story, like he found it almost felt like he wrote a story that was ten pages longer than that and distilled yeah. each scene down to the one part yeah. that you needed to I see. I I mean, mm. it's real, like, cinematic that way. Like, yeah. Just yeah. showing you the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. But they, just to, so they're, when they were 19 and 20, Gilbert did not want to get a real job mm. and proposed, or no, Mario said, you guys should just do a comic book. So they wrote their own, self-published it, and then Fantagraphics Comics, which was relatively new at that time, they sent a copy to the Comics Journal to be reviewed because Comics Journal was a big snobby. Oh, wow. oh yeah, that was like the Pitchfork of European. comics, right? Yes, very much. Like <laughs> yeah. kind of like even more than Pitchfork, loved being assholes and uh, criticizing things that nobody else would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they sent an issue, and they Fantagraphics loved it and said, "We will publish this. We will publish for the rest of your lives," which is what they've done. Oh wow! Wow. There was a uh, Comics Buyer's Guide. I uh, speaking of that, I saw an ad for Comics Buyer's Guide recently that was. The ad was from a, I think it was like a Jim Shooter deposition in court. Yeah. Uh, and the 
the uh, the quote was actually like the most influential something like the most influential magazine in comic books is Comics Buyer's Guide, and that was the ad. It was like the actual quote. Comics from Journal a, or Comics Buyer Guide? Uh, oh no, it was Comics Journal. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was I was like, wow, that's ballsy to like <laughs> say like see, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so they have a lot of com- they have like superhero influences, cartoony influences. Like lowbrow, like kung fu movie. They're still like the Wu Tang Clan in terms of like they like to mix up all this lowbrow stuff yeah. and kind of wear synthesize a lot of pride. different. Yeah, yeah. And they're kind of into it. Like they want you to notice. Yeah, we're so cool because we draw from different places than most of your comics. And in the early '80s, that was super weird and cool. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't like. There weren't, like, black and white comics on the stand. Except for, like, our crumb would do stuff, not that often. But, like, if you went to the comic book shop, it was all just, you know, Marvel and DC. Right. And then these guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oversized magazine, black and white. Almost no... At first there were superheroes, but there really aren't any in the in the bulk of the run. Mexican... Yeah. As opposed to just like white people and anatomically correct humans. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. really great, um, really great cinematography and the shots and the, the oh, yeah. facial the facial mm-hmm. expressions of the characters are all believable and you know yeah, uh, very natural expressive. composition of yeah. the drawings. I can tell you that it was the coolest thing on the stands by like ten thousand fucking miles. That's awesome. And this is like when Watchmen was coming out in Dark Knight, like big comic events were happening. Yeah. And these guys were like the little indie scene that was just cooler than everything. Mm-hmm. And they've never stopped and they don't to me look as cool now because I was telling you guys before this podcast other things have come along with them that maybe yeah. are more accessible and better. Like Chris Ware stuff, Dan Klaus stuff. Stuff that's easier to read, more coherent. Yeah. Um, or Optic Nerve. Yeah. Uh and and lots and basically any black and white indie comic, the, you know, sort of was in the wake of Love and Rockets of having a place that the comic book people would know where to put it in their store. It's like oh, I'll go put it next to the Love and Rockets. Well, comic. and there's even yeah, <laughs> even amongst like superhero comics, there's almost the gap was probably a lot wider in the '80s. Like you had Marvel and DC, and you had this, but I feel like a lot of superhero comics and like indie comics and Image, like a lot of it now more. I don't know, there's a little bit more wiggle room in all yeah. of it. It's like you, oh, can, yeah. you, can, you can get like an issue of Avengers that feels a lot more like this, or like that feels a lot mm-hmm. more, you know... Well, you look at the fact that, like, uh, you know, something like Matt Fraction and David Aja's... Well, yeah, like Matt Hawkeye. Fraction is a huge Love and Rockets fan. Yeah. Oh, I, be- oh, I totally yeah. believe that, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, like, you read, like, Hawkeye, I can definitely see inspired by this, in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah, all the like, shadow, inky, black composition of Hawkeye is Jamie Hernandez-inspired. Yeah. yeah. There's no doubt about it. The, 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 the coolest thing about this, after I read it, is that it does not feel dated somehow. This no. one issue that I've read, it mm-hmm. still feels like this could have been put, put out today. Yeah. And even the clothes everyone's wearing. Like, everyone just still, like, looks... Like, people still look like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They're... It's it's crazy. Yeah, it feels so human and real that it doesn't date at all. Like the language is very simple and human. The relationships are clear and realized. Hmm. Yeah. It immediately felt cool. So the story, the the first story in the issue is the return of Ray D. By Jamie. Yeah. And, and now did and Jamie did this full out, like wrote, drew, like they they didn't... both brothers do their own stuff. They don't overlap. Jamie okay. would do his stories. Gilbert does his stories. The characters do not. The worlds don't cross. Huh. 
I mean, very. They'll sometimes do it as like a weird like Five Doctors episode where there's like, okay. something yeah. fun, but that's a by and large. They don't few cross. and far between. They write and draw their own and ink and everything. Do you have a stuff. bias? No, I've gone back and forth too much. <laughs> Gilbert, as a human being, is my personal inspiration of how to live a creative life. Really? Why yeah. is that? Because he just does everything that he wants. He does a million different things, and he finishes stuff and produces it and moves on. He's way more prolific than Jamie, and a way wider range of attempts. He also fails more. Hmm. He's got right. a lot of crap. Which what is this? like, that's the, that's the natural outcome of being prolific and being comfortable with producing as much as you can is you're just going to keep failing and it's okay and in yeah. particular Gilbert's style to me is passionate the characters in his stories are always passionate like most I feel like most comic books that get critically acclaimed are sad autobiographical stories of somebody's childhood being either repressed sexually or, like, in a religious household that's weird, or some yeah. foreign country where everything's sad. You're thinking of Fun Home. <laughs> Fun Home by Alison Bechdel, Persopolis. Yeah. Uh, Blankets by that good uh, Christian Thompson. kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, dude, these are great oh, comics. Box Office Poison by Alex Robinson. Sure, yeah. His, uh, and then um, Stuck Rubber Baby. Yeah. Oh, being yeah. Um, gay. In, and they're all amazing comics, right? Yeah. But it's like, oh, even even Mouse, like, a, God, I, mean, I don't want to cast aspersions on a Holocaust survivor story. <laughs> <laughs> but it just seems like to get to be critically acclaimed to comics, you, you have to have a sad childhood and talk yeah. about it. It has to be dour. And well, Gilbert's like, yeah. no. Gilbert has said in interviews, he goes, I'm sick of the sad childhood stuff. I'm going to write fun stories that, are, that, you can't, that you can't put down. That's that his goal. Immediately gets yeah. me on his side, in a way. Yeah, because even amongst, yeah. I'm going to keep bringing back superhero stuff, but even like mentioning like one of the best superhero stories of all time was like Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, yeah, like, ah, like depressing, really yeah. depressing yeah. stuff. And there's a, and even if you look at like what movies win Academy Awards, it's always yeah, it's a Gilbert lot. Won't do it. Yeah, he likes people having sex and being in love with each other <laughs> and and indulging too much and exploding with life. That's he great. doesn't like. There are sad things happen in his story, but it's not this, like, dour. Yeah. Jamie's much more small. Jamie's a much better illustrator. Yeah. His art makes me want to cry and, yeah. and well, kill him and eat his heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very specific... You have thought about this. How, How can I get his powers? I think yeah, that yeah. might be it. Uh, well, you reblog a whole bunch of, like, the, I don't know, like, sketches and commissions he does of just yeah. random characters, and he is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty great. And I, I love... Too, like right at the opening of the story, right at the opening of uh, Return of Ray D, uh, by the third panel, I was already on board when uh, Maggie, when Maggie uh, uh, yells, Doyle, it's it's the language here that just pulled me right in. <laughs> Doyle, quit bird dogging them joggers and feast your eyes on some real sauce. Like, <laughs> yeah, she's mad that she's not getting checked out. Yeah, <laughs> like the the slang. Just immediately, there's. Uh, it feels like something that you don't know about yet, but is cool enough that like you want to be oh, on yeah. the inside. Well, I mean, of her. That who is her? Wait, what's, what's the name of her friend with the awesome pants? D. Danita. Danita. Yeah. Uh, I love her. Danita Lincoln. Yeah. I don't know. Like the 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 way he draws characters and their faces are so like inviting. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a fan of you. Like, I yeah. want to hang out with you. Like, everyone is not. He also draws black characters without coloring their skin in. Yeah. Danita's black. But she has white skin in this black and white comic. But you yeah, know she's black. Yeah, I don't know. I just find it sort of a confident artist. It's like you'll get it. I don't need to. 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know who's Mexican, who's white, who's black. And yep. Yeah, you, you and know. And they're not caricatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the way that they talk, um, I think, gives you great clues of who they are. Yeah. 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 He, and again, too, it's that sort of economy of storytelling as he finds the right things for these characters to say to show mm-hmm. you who they are. Yeah. So did you guys really like it, or are you just saying this because you knew that I was going to be in the room? Oh, well, I don't no, want we you to, I don't want you to you. hate me, okay? Yeah. <laughs> no, I liked it a lot. Uh, I, I, um, I used to read comic books a lot in junior high school, and I got away from it. And then I got back into it a little bit more after college, and this is the stuff that I mostly have gotten. I used to read, well, I was, it's kind of silly, but I was an exclusive reader of Punisher. That's all that I read. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah. I got into this is a weird thing in the early 90s in hindsight it makes no sense but I um, (laughs) got into comic books and decided that to save money I would just read one title so I nice I I got like super super into Punisher but the thing is I have an obsessive personality and it was worse in middle school so I just (laughs) read like all the Punisher I bought every episode of Punisher all the back issues I bought every single yeah. one well, I, Punisher War Journal War Zone <laughs> Punisher 2099 you were what they everything. wanted they were wanting to get yeah. Pletist who and they were yep. like let's make five Punisher yep all the months. Armory books yeah. I, was just I bought say, every, every Armory book yeah. uh, uh, I watched yeah. the Dol- Dolph Lundgren movie a bunch of times <laughs> oh, yeah. um but th- there was a, I don't know if you are familiar with this, but there was like a six issue or so arc. There was a, there was an arc where in order to escape from Kingpin, the Punisher turned black. Yes! Yes! <laughs> oh, I totally remember this. Yep, yep, yep. And then either growing tired of it or realizing what a monumental mistake it was, <laughs> yeah. they turned him back to white by saying that he ran out of the medication that he took to keep his... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. this is absurd. And I yeah. stopped reading comic books yeah. for years. Uh, and then a little after college, somebody turned me on to Preacher. Preacher had already oh, yeah. come and gone yes. by then. Yeah. But I read it and I was like, this well, is amazing. You do know that the, the Punisher was handled by the creative team of Preacher, right? Yes. Okay, yes. Sounds like that's a weird Venn diagram of Well, your yeah, then I got back into Preacher <laughs> after reading... I mean, I got back into Punisher after reading Preacher and yeah. seeing uh, that they had done, a, you know... Um, uh, long Punisher. Yeah, Ennis like, did yeah. a bunch of uh, Punisher, a bunch of great Punisher. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, he's like the. He might be the definitive Punisher writer. Oh yeah. yeah. He is. Easily. His tone is perfect well, for. He also did a great um, Ghost Rider run right yeah. before the around the time. Oh movie. yeah, yeah. Garth Ennis and uh, Clayton Crane. Yeah, did a yeah. great six oh, wow. issue arc of uh, Ghost Rider, which is amazing. Yeah. This is very different from so, any of that. So what I yeah, where I was going is like as I've gotten more into comic books, I've gotten more into uh, this is the stuff that I'm more interested in that yeah. appeals to me more now. This and uh, Scalped. Oh, Kev- Kevin Hines actually yes. turned me on to yeah. Scalp, and I got I've gotten very into Jason Aaron's work. Oh, he's... I'm, I'm reading Scalped right now. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, I haven't I haven't finished it. I fell off of it a little bit, uh, but I, I I got to get back into it. Jason Aaron's writer, you can read pretty much anything. He is, he is a ridiculous level of talented and insane. Yeah, he's another one who's like, he just does everything. Yeah, it's very, like, Gilbert. working. Um, um, so, but I'm, th- I'm more drawn now in my life to this kind of real, down-to-earth kind of slice of life, everyday human yeah. beings yeah. kind of stuff. There's something not as, I mean, obviously, everyone listening to this knows my biases, or knows my, um, I don't know creature comforts or whatever yeah uh but there's something less stressful about something like this to me like 
I don't know, like, this just seems, it was just an easy read. It was just pleasant. It was, like, mm-hmm. I like these characters. No one is, um, I don't know, this might also be because it's my first issue with them. Like, when I read superhero comics, there's this thing in the back of my head being like, is this character being treated correctly? Like, I know their history. Are they getting right. everything right? And it's a thing I can't turn off sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can choose to listen to it or let it affect my enjoyment of the story, but I'm always like, man, Nightcrawler wouldn't really say that. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's something with this. It's like, I'm just, like, eavesdropping in on a just a good well, that's, story. That's another thing that I think is that shows the strength of this comic, at least of this issue. I had never read Love and Rockets before. I did not feel lost at all. Uh, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's the strength of yeah, the absolutely. writing. I, I didn't. I at no point. There were some things where I was like, "Oh, there's probably a history here," but there was there were, there was no point where I was like, "I wish I'd read yeah. earlier issues so I knew what was going on." Or a little here. footnote being like, "Check out." Right. The- <laughs> I feel like I slipped perfectly into these people's lives, and I think yeah. that's one of the testaments to a very strong comic book uh, and and good writers. Yeah. yeah. So did you notice? Uh, flashbacks? Like, could you well, that, tell? That's, Love this. Because there's... Bit, the, yeah. Jamie is a notorious, and I think sometimes to a fault, of jumping around and not telling you. And yeah. I can't... I don't always know. This I, one I think it, I could tell. There were parts... There were points where I, I had to double check uh, yeah. if we had flashed back or not. And there there are so, there are some tiny clues. Like, this great, like this great panel, uh, panel transition on page three... Uh, where where everyone's in the exact same position. Right, Izzy Izzy is talking to Maggie. Yeah. yeah. And they flash back to Izzy talking to a younger Maggie with Hopi. Yeah, and it just uh, the everyone's in the same. It's just great storytelling, and and again too, that's the sort of thing that you can only really do in comics. Yeah, he yeah. keeps the figures in the same composition. Yeah. In the modern, and then when the flashback begins, there so that you can sort of tell. Oh, the hairstyles are different, and yeah. they look younger. This is older. I yeah. will say that I did not get that until towards the end. It yeah. wasn't until towards the end that I yeah. was like, oh, felt- these are flashbacks. Yeah. 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 Anything, with, anything with Hopi was a flashback in this story. That's right. Sort yeah. of like filling out why Maggie is, has been so upset with her since the first panel yeah, of that's the right. issue. Well, and it's like, I didn't even, um, like reading the letters column in the front and the back, and the the letters are about they're referencing stories that inform me that, oh, Maggie is not the main character of this series. Correct? Uh, no, or there, Maggie or there, is. Or, there's, or, there, or there are other, I don't know, there are other people responding to stories that seem to have been focused on yeah. a whole lot of other characters. That's right. That's uh, right. Which I was like, oh, okay, so there is more of this Hopi character previously, but yeah. I didn't feel like yeah, the whole, I was missing anything. All the Jamie stories were about Maggie and Hopi e- equally. They were a duo... Uh, and this this is the first long arc where it's just Maggie and Hopi's not really around. Oh, so this is this is like the first time that that happened. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Um, yeah. So like uh, so so Maggie winds up going to her cousin Ray is getting out of prison, right? It's his, it's a, it's a party for him returning. Yeah, not prison. He was uh, <laughs> he went to New York to try to be an artist and he failed. That's a prison. wow. <laughs> that is terrible of me. <laughs> Why did I just assume prison? Art school is prison to some people. Uh, <laughs> it's because they're Mexican. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, I know somebody's cutting. getting out of prison. It's not Ray, though. Uh, I can't actually remember. There's a know. also there's a lot of characters in it. Yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. not not in a bad way. There's just a lot of characters. The big thing in this issue is it reveals that Hopi and Maggie were lesbians. That was yeah. never said before. Well, are they? Are they? Oh, les- so this was like the reveal. Yeah, this was the first explicit confirmation that they were lovers. 
Wow. Are they lesbians yeah. or were they experimenting? Hopi's a lesbian. Hopi's an out lesbian. Okay. You know that. Hopi Good. has like girlfriends. Maggie is has boyfriends, but will fool around with Hopi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas there's some panel where they kiss. Yeah. 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 Towards, yeah. The yeah. towards the end. And that's well, where I started to realize that those were flashbacks. Yeah. 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 Um, is that why? This is one thing I'm curious about. Is why you selected this specific issue? Is that? Yeah. Why? Well, I thought that. Yes, I mean, it was a big issue. Um, well, I, I I owned it so I could bring it in and show it to people in your hands, so that was one reason why I picked it. Yeah. But also, uh, it's more... Sometimes they'll have a lot of shorter stories that, to me, are more chaotic. So this yeah. was kind of like a long enough sample of each of the worlds that it felt yeah, kind of more... Maybe a better first issue. We get like twenty pages of uh, Jaime and then ten, yeah, of Gilbert. But Gilbert's panel, like Gilbert's page layout, is so much more dense. Yeah, there's yeah. so well, many more his, panels. His text is longer. There's yeah, longer so it feels there. like twenty or thirty even pages worth right. of story. It feels more. It feels less. Um, we've used this word a lot. It feels less uh, uh, cinem- cinematic, cinematic. Yeah. yeah, and more like an illustrated story. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I felt yeah. like I, I felt like Jaime's stuff. I was an observer, where uh, Gilbert's story in this book, I was being taken on a guided tour. Yeah, of a person. Yeah, it life. felt like I was like listening to a monologue, an illustrated monologue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. also, there are no there are no word balloons in Gilbert's half. It's all just like narrative narrative text, and even yeah. when people are talking, it's like, and then they said. This. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. I didn't know. Yeah. Something. Here's something Jamie does that I've always found confusing. As a fan, right? As a that I, I've tried to recommend Love and Rockets to everybody I've met, everybody I've met since 1987. Yeah. Every conversation I've had, I've tried to work in Love and Rockets, and it almost never works. People normally don't like it. And for this, you know, they read it but don't like it. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, Who are it. these weirdos? Everybody. But I've realized that. <laughs> I mean, that's not. I'm exaggerating. Someone. Not totally though. Most people don't really take to it. But um. I think it's because the way to do it is to give the single issue that I had you guys read, where you read like a sample of one and a sample of the other. Most of this stuff has been collected by creator. Like you buy a Jamie trade or a Gilbert trade, and you read a whole arc from start to finish. That makes logical sense, Uh but I don't think it's as fun. For some reason, much more enjoyable to me. Yeah, Yeah. I find that they complement each other. Well, and also some way. I mean, being. I'm very into I'm very into like context of the work when it was put out. And I feel like there's or like authorial intent of like they made this for a reason, I feel like this is how it was put out. So in a way like this is how it should be consumed. Uh, consumed. I think it's the best way to read um, it. and yeah. I think that there's something weirdly, I don't know, artificial about just like taking all the Jaime stuff and like read it like this. I don't this know. is how it worked. This is like it came out like this and everybody went nuts. There's so a there's like a definitely yeah. uh, there are definitely themes that sort of bleed across the two stories as well, I think. Oh yeah, the brothers are definitely reading each other's stuff and being influenced by it. For yeah, sure. mm-hmm. yeah. Here's something Jamie does that I find difficult. So there's a panel here where Hopi kisses Maggie. It's a flashback for the first time. She's leaning over, and this in the context of the comic, it's like, oh, they are lovers. It's been hinted at, and now they are, and that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Right, it's sort of big, um, and it's not like a gratuitous thing where like Mystique is like trying to feel up Storm's boobs. Sorry, Brent. <laughs> Which was a great issue. <laughs> Never happened. It's a it's two teenagers who uh, like each other. Yeah, and so it's kind of tender. But they hope he's leaning in for the kiss. The next panel is a cutaway where there's this unnamed punk rock couple 
laying next to each other in a bed, and the woman's like, don't bump the wall. And the guy's like, it's not me. Del must have brought back a friend from Frisco. What that is, is that's the next room. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing them, like, fool around or something. Yeah. So it's like, oh, they got into it. They were bumping the walls and stuff. So this is sort of like an old movie cutaway, cutting away from the explicit sex. Right. To indicate that it is, in fact, happening. Yeah. And then we cut back, and it's post- uh, Coital, yeah. Hopi mm-hmm. and Maggie, teenage punks. Gah. Are you mad? No, just that is. But I, I don't. He'll do that all the time, or he'll cut away, and I well miss it a lot. I, yeah, I miss it the first time, and then I had to like read. But like that panel of just "Are you mad?" Like that is a gut wrenching panel. Like the facial expressions on both of them just say so much. Yeah, there's yeah. Like, so much sort of confusion and yeah. Well, how old is Trepidation. Maggie? Well, no, Maggie's like 20, like 18 or 19. She's like, 16 in this flashback, okay. I think. In the story, she's like 22 or something like that. Jeez. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful... Uh, the last page, all the darkness... Oh, Ray is back from art school and has always had a crush on Maggie. Okay. And yeah. he's trying to get in on that. Yeah, and he he pulls her aside at the party earlier in the issue and kisses her. Oh, uh, nope, that's Speedy. Uh. <sighs> There's so oh man I think that was that, I'm just gonna keep embarrassing myself the more I talk. <laughs> well, you're 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 expressing the problem that people have. Like I was yeah. just gonna say that there's like there's a lot of sort of it's dense with characters and flashbacks in a way where it's easy to lose track. Yeah, of. yeah. I had that same problem where I was un, un, I was initially unclear about how oh, to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Talk about the it was the pants. It's the pants. <laughs> yes. I uh, I remember there was a texture to the pants. Oh yeah. yeah. Um and but it, well. And that's even a problem that, uh, like, The Walking Dead has, where which is another black-and-white comic, where you have to look for weird things like, what texture are the pants? Because it's a black-and-white comic, and everyone kind of, at times, can look the same. Right. Yeah. I like, think the Hernandez brothers, because they were taken under Fantagraphics' wing when they were so young, have never had to live up to the consequences of when they push too far, too fast, or when sure. they're actually not good enough to do what they try to pull off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's kind of that's exciting though. The editor just lets them do whatever. So like, yeah. like if Jamie was, I don't know, if he was an improviser and he gets on stage and he tries to like make some big thing where multiple actors are playing multiple characters, he would learn. Oh, the audience didn't follow that. <laughs> right. I can't do that the next time. Yeah. Unless I want them to be confused. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he never suffers that. He's in a drawing room alone his entire career. Yeah. Just this patron, Fantagraphics, letting him pursue whatever. So he gets to go. And do things that a lot of artists never get to try. But it also means nothing's hemming him in. And like, yeah, sometimes it's like, you know what? Speedy looks like Ray. You need to make it clear that that's not Ray who's kissing Maggie at this party. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's completely reasonable to think they're the same. Or even just put like little like this is Ray like little like editor's <laughs> box. Like, he gets better about it as he. I mean, he's only like twenty four or something when he does yeah. the story. He gets uh, better God, about it as he great. gets older. And that's impressive too, though that uh, that this level of storytelling and storytelling confidence comes out of someone that's only twenty four. Yeah. yeah. At this time, their career is a weird experiment. They're just like, what if we took two talented people <laughs> and never they're never beholden to anything except to keep making stuff. You know, it's funny. They did that with Rob Liefeld, and it didn't work out so well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, that is, yeah. It should be a reality show, guys. Yeah. Well, I, I should say, that's actually incorrect of me to say, because Rob Liefeld is a multi-multi-millionaire. Yeah. Well, how much, So, like, therefore, he's correct. Yeah. What did... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did they make money right, off of this? Right, that's how it this? works. Or, like... That's how it works. They've is made a living career? off it. Okay. They make a living off it. I don't think they're rich... What? I mean, I think Jamie makes more money drawing covers for The New Yorker than he does his mm. comic book. Yeah. Probably. 
What um, has there not. ever been rumblings of like TV or film adaptations? Yeah, never happened. But like, is that something that they like resist or? And I think they're super into it, mostly probably for the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I don't know. I don't know. It's been in the works. It's but it's never not happened. something where they're like, no, this will never be. This, no, they're not JD Salinger about it. I've <laughs> seen like... photos of people who are on casting calls. When they look exactly like the characters, oh wow! But it's never really gotten far. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be hard to adapt, but like the way television has changed since '86, could to be now, television. Yeah, it could be a great TV series. I mean, a lot of TV series nowadays, I feel like, do this like this. Well, serialized storytelling in general has become yeah. a lot more acceptable yeah. in general pop culture. Just even in the last like eight years, yeah, like everyone sort of points to Lost as like the tipping point where people are okay with like dense, yeah, week to week episodic storytelling. Right. Well, Twenty Four was really the first, like, yeah. That's the thing that 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 was the thing that set it off. Yeah. Twenty Four opened the door for Lost and shows like that. To... And Lost really went for it. Like Lost went for it to a level that I don't think a TV show has gone to since. Yeah, like in terms of just like interconnectedness, insanity. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Fringe has a little bit of okay. that. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Revolution tries so hard, <laughs> so <laughs> hard, <laughs> fails so miserably, and yet I can't stop watching. It. You, you are on board for that, whether you uh, like it or not. I really am. I hate that show so much, and I am drawn to it like a moth to a flame. Um, I remember when the like the mid season finale came on, and the next day you were like. This it's is terrible. what's happening, and it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, do we want who? Do we want? Is it a good thing to ask which story people preferred? Is that or is I preferred? Is that... I preferred Jaime's. If I had to pick between the two of them, yeah. I would pick his. Although uh, Gilbert uh, Gilbert had a lot of really great stuff. It almost, in a way, it feels like apples and oranges. It does. It really does. I actually enjoyed Gilbert's story more. I yeah. Think. As a story, yeah. I enjoyed the construction of it more. I enjoyed the twists and turns that the story took. I enjoyed the general sort of like what else happens. You know, I, I yeah. enjoyed the, the the arc of the story as a as a story. I enjoyed it more. As a comic, I enjoyed Jaime's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of time that's covered in For the Love of Carmen, which is yeah, Gilbert's story. Right. That it feels like a story. Like I said, it feels like. A story that was then illustrated. Yeah, yeah. It feels yeah. like a beginning, middle, and end. Like it doesn't even really feel like an issue of a narrative. Mm-hmm. It just feels like here is the story of. Wait, who is the character that we're learning about in this? Her, uh, Heracle- I can't say his name. Heracleo. Okay. Everyone winds up calling him Hercules. Yeah. Well, what, I, actually, in the letters page, they were talking about like someone was responding to a Gilbert issue uh, where they were talking about, oh, I just love that character Carmen and like all these other people. Um, which kind of surprised me because this story seems so done in one. It seems so just like beginning, middle, end. Yeah. That to learn like, oh, wait, Carmen actually has other stories that she's like, it just, oh, yeah. that was surprising. I don't know. There's, it, what's interesting too about like uh, Gilbert's art is, and I think this sort of lends itself to it, like Jamie is, is so cinematic that the things that are happening in the panel all address the story. But Gilbert will put jokes like, Gilbert will pack, like, added value into his panels. Like, for yeah. example, on the first page, the bottom of the first page, there is uh, hmm. 
There's a, there's a man carrying a slug over his shoulder like a baby. Yeah. There's an old man with a straw hat and a New York Dolls T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, another guy in the back with a with a hat, uh, smoking a cigarette, with a suit jacket and tie, uh, with no bottom half of his body pushing himself yeah. on a skateboard. I did yeah. not notice this, any of that. This his art and the, the panels like this <laughs> remind me a lot of um, uh, Tim Creeder. I don't know if any of you guys know. No, it's Tim Creeder. Tim Creeder is, he's gotten more well-known in the past year as a short, as a, as a writer, a, a short story writer, and he writes, he's written some popular New York Times opinion pieces lately. Uh-huh. Yeah. He wrote the piece on procrastinating. Okay. And he wrote the uh, You Are All Going to Die uh, New York oh, Times yeah, editorial yeah. from a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> but he started as a single panel comic writer, okay. and I love him, and I recommend him <laughs> To, I'm similar to the way you are with Love and Rockets with Tim Creeder, where You're I will tell everybody, everybody to read <laughs> oh. Tim Creeder's first book of collected comics is called um, The Pain, When Will It End? <laughs> and it is a bunch of single-panel, amazing, absurdist uh, comics. Yeah. In the Bush administration, he got more into political comics, which I like less because they're less absurd. Yeah. His uh, his pre-Bush just regular absurdist comics are so, like, slice of life and ridiculous. Like, I'll try to describe one of them. Um, um, <laughs> one of my... Uh, uh, there's two, if I had to describe, there's two that I would describe. Um, there's one that's called... Um, if we had x-ray vision, we would all go insane. And it's a picture of a guy looking into a house, and it's the little dotted lines that indicate x-ray vision. Yeah. And it's a guy standing in his living room naked fucking a burrito. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the kind of... And there's also there's another one called um, uh, Nietzsche and Me. And half of the panel is like... Yeah, if I ever met Nietzsche, I would say, "Hey, Nietzsche, glad to meet you." And it's like uh, this, like very respectable-looking <laughs> Tim Creeder, like leaning in and listening to uh, Nietzsche, you know, talk. But then the other half is what would actually happen if he met Nietzsche, which is Tim Creeder drunk, clearly on his fourth beer, while like <laughs> Nietzsche is very patiently trying to say something to him. <laughs> and that speaks to me. It's like so directly. Like wow. that is like this drunken fool who like. Thinks he's great, but actually fucks everything up. Yeah. So that's sorry for the kind of tangent no, there, but this, no, this, no, no. this is what reminds well, that, me of that. Well, when when you said that the Hernandez brothers were so um, influenced by like cartoon strips, like this definitely feels like that way more than uh, yes. high stuff. Yeah. Like there's the uh, the more expressionistic things, like when the lead character Hercules is like those panels of like him walking, and he like I felt like shivers or whatever, and he's like all like like oh yeah, those are great. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, oh, that's like, very. Um, Cartoony, uh, Dennis the Menace. Um, uh, who, what the fuck? Art Crumb? Yes, that's yeah. very Art Crumb. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, too, like, all of the women in these stories were, like, the sort of, like, especially in Jamie's, were, like, the kind of girls that I was always trying to, like, be friends with. And yeah, I was, totally. like, secretly in love with from across the room when I was in high school and stuff. Yeah, totally. Well, unlike most comics, uh, Hernandez... Uh, comics have women of all shapes and sizes. Yeah. yeah. Like, they don't all look the same. There are two perverts who <laughs> lust after every imaginable type of girl and draw all of them. I do. Yeah. I, I do they're not to... all beautiful. Like, they are, there are many beautiful people in this book. But um, they're just, I don't know, they're, they're interesting. Every individual in these stories looks interesting to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. There's almost even more of a... Uh, 
like a manga style influence to Gilbert's stuff where it's like there's a realism to it but it's acceptable it's acceptable to sort of like squish a character in the panel not only by the writing uh, but to like stretch their face yeah mm-hmm. and and sort of uh, play up a, the cartoonish elements of their emotions. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really hits those emotions, too. Like, I know exactly what that emotion is. Yeah. Like, what weird squenched face. Where is that happening in mm-hmm. the story? Like, right That's here. before he's it's, proposed? It's or? after he has... Oh, he's proposed. Proposed, but it was under the false circumstances. Oh, yeah, she, she was like, to... have you had sex? And he was like, no! Yeah. And then, like, that is what that feeling is like. Yeah, that is what that... I'm going to get caught... I'm the gonna, world is just yeah, crashing down that. on you. Yeah. I do want to ask... Why was Carmen in a bag in a garage sale? <laughs> oh, was, yeah. Left for she was left there, yeah. She was abandoned. It was, it was a very baby. absurd yeah. way of saying she was abandoned and left up. But yeah. like, okay, that, it's literally a head it, coming out of yeah. a sack. I yep. took it kind of... Well, it's like coming from Jaime, who is so realistic. Yeah. And you get to this, and it took me so long to realize this is a lot more uh, metaphorical. It's a completely mm-hmm. different tone. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, why... Was she literally in a bag? <laughs> yeah, she was yeah. left for... Just abandoned and left for adoption. And the mother was so furious that this is how, as she said, how low they sunk, that yeah. she was like, I'm taking this. Yeah. yeah, This baby and raising it. Yeah. There's um, a, I wanted to point out the uh, another great, um, th- you know, visual joke in panel that you were talking about. Um, I think it's back a little bit when she's first introducing the character of Carmen. Oh yeah, here where she's carrying a bullet. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. carrying a huge bullet that is half the size. Carmen is carrying yeah. a huge bullet that's half the size of her. It's like her torso, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's but, a great drawing of a troublemaker. Yeah, yeah. silly. Yeah, it perfectly. It's a great summary to you yeah. of that character. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things referred to in the For Love of Carmen have happened in earlier stories. Okay. Oh really? This is a thing like where it's sewing together pieces of other stories and filling in blanks. Okay. Okay. So like the story of Manuel, who is the sort of ladies' man of the town, who befriends uh, Heracleo. Um, the first Gilbert story was all about Manuel. Oh, wow. Was Manuel's, like, uh, success in betting all the ladies of the town, and then he's eventually murdered. That's oh, the first Gilbert yeah. story. Holy yeah, that's, cow. That's in there. That's Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. Fresh. Oh, yeah. They, you know, I didn't want to ask you oh, that, yeah. too, because it, I re- yeah. it that was that was the part where it almost felt like towards the end, the momentum of Gilbert's story, because he was crossing so much time, like the momentum picked up so much mm-hmm. that, like, we touch upon a character's death <coughs> and we just sort of get, like, the periphery of the repercussions of it. Yeah. And I was wondering, um, so wait, how, I was talking to Hal Phillips about uh, Love and Rockets, and he said that uh, a lot of the series very much feels like the sort of continuity that would be created in a superhero universe, but about the people of a small town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. And that was in the back of my mind as I was reading this, and I wondered if that was a, a, the situation there. Um, like, I mean, was that something that had happened before? And it's it very was. soap opera. Yeah. Yeah. In that, like, there's histories that are sort of minded mm-hmm. as they go on. And if you, if you know those histories, it adds to the stories. Yeah. Um, it's well, hard to keep track of a lot of times. Well, it's interesting to learn that not every uh, one of uh, Gilbert's stories is like this. Or it's not like, No, all... this is an exception. Generally, yeah. it's more standard, like, speech balloons and yeah. oh. you're following along action. He just... 
did this one sort of as a catch-up. I'm, uh, I'm oh. definitely also, uh, I will never use the word hipster again. I'm going to henceforth use uh, shallow disco gas heads. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, what a great term. Yep. I, I love Gilbert's language. I just yeah. love the way he, his interviews. I love him, and the way he puts things are terrific. Well, what if we told you that we had him in the next room? <laughs> <laughs> the wall slides away. <laughs> he hits a lot of stuff in the story. There's the racism uh, that that uh, that Heracleo experiences at college. There's the love of education, but then sort of like the anti-intellectual attitude yeah. of his hometown. Um, gang of friends who are not at all like him who kind of stick together but then yeah. one of them ends up sleeping with his wife uh, Israel sleeps with his wife oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and and I, I will go back to what I've already talked about it like I think this is uh, the mark of good writing is like I had no idea that this was tied together yeah. a long series of things that had already been discussed this, yeah if you had told me this is a like uh just a standing story, just a one-off, self-contained yeah. thing. I would have totally bought it, yeah. and all those yeah. twists and turns with the finding out about the murdered friend and all that stuff. I, it, I felt like it was dealt with in a way where it was, it was like, accessible. I did, yeah. I, I did not feel lost at any. Yeah, accessible is a great word. I did not feel like, oh, I wish I'd known. I wish I had read these previous issues. If anything, it makes me want to. I'm sorry. No, you uh, go. Uh, if anything, it makes me want to catch up or yep. find a way to learn more about the parts that I may not have known about. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The story uh, takes place in Palomar, and all of Gilbert's stories, or almost all of Gilbert's stories, from when he started this comic through 1996, took place in Palomar, and then he kind of went away from it for a while before coming back. And it's, uh, Palomar is fun in that everybody's always getting laid. Gilbert's a big pervert, so there's lots of sex in Gilbert's stories. That's fun. Uh, there's lots of ancient, there's some ancient civilization that existed where Palomar <laughs> yeah, is built. There's uh, all these old statues and temples that are never directly addressed. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. yeah. Like, Hercules goes to the island. They just mentioned the yeah. island. Oh, yeah. 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 He gets, yeah. The, he gets works. the works. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Where they just like soak him and like heat him up and rub all this shit in him to like get get him over his nerves of proposing to Carmen. Yeah. yeah. And that's just part of the culture. It's like, oh yeah, go to the island and get the works. And that's never explained. These <laughs> uh, just old, like kind of savage looking like Latin American dudes. Yeah. I just that's just part of the world here. You just have to accept it. Um It's fun. It's These so little slugs that they eat are called uh Babosa, that only exists in Gilbert comics. Like some local delicacy of Palomar, where there's slugs, where they just go out and harvest them out of the trees and yeah. cook them up and fry them. Well, that's very much like a... a strange things like that, that just are very matter-of-fact, are sort of a, a recurring thing in like Latin Latin literature, even. Um, sort of like more specifically like, like Latin American literature, like... Uh, you know, you're you're in a story about a guy who's pining for a woman, and it's just offhandedly mentioned that he has a glass leg with a shrimp that lives in it. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, and it's not. It's like really... the book uh, One Hundred Years of Solitude. Yes. By Gabriel Garcia Marquez. That's yes. what this always gets compared to, which huh. Gilbert had not read by the time he was doing this. So, you know, magic realism, Latin American sort of magic like realism, mythic, yes. yeah, yeah. mythic sort of magic things. Just sort of tossed around with mundane, everyday lives. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of Gilbert's stories. Because their mother, I read, told them a lot of sort of, like, old myths. And she was also a devoted Catholic woman, so she would talk about stories of obscure saints. Mm -hmm. And oh. lots of, like, Mexican folklore. 
So they mixed all that stuff in when they made stories. Nice. Like adapted it. The yeah. mom must have been like the coolest. Yeah. So yeah. Reminds me sort of like how the you know the Marx brothers are raised by a really like sort of domineering not domineering, but like the Marx's mom, Minnie Marx, like yeah. said, You're all gonna be in vaudeville, we're gonna get famous yeah. when they were like children and made them sing together, made them the came, became comedians by accident later. Yeah. Well when their ad libs started working, she was like, Alright, great, you're whatever, as long as we're She famous. was like the CEO of her family. <laughs> That's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah. And all they named all their daughters with an M name after their mom. Like their yeah. mom was a big part of their life. So the Hernandez had a mom who was like, You're all reading comics, you're all drawing comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to read good stuff that I bring in. Me, this single Mexican-American woman. And <laughs> are gonna t- you're going to bring home our crumb, and you're all going to like it. And Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. Yeah. And we all have great taste, and when you're 20, you're going to start a revolution. <laughs> you, you will thank me. Well, and it worked out. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, I mean, is there anything final to say about it? Thank you for reading it. Thank you, know. you for turning me on to it. Yeah. I'm uh, excited to read more. Yeah, me too. I'm definitely, this is definitely something that I'm going to uh, continue to, to pursue and catch yeah. up on. I'm going to figure out how to read it. I mean, I guess, like, the only option is to get the Do them in order. Just do it in order. Yeah. How, but do they, do they do, do they collect them in order? Like, that's the hard thing. They do them, like, roughly in order. Yeah. Okay. I'm a stickler they for They do order. all of Jamie's stuff for the first year. You'll read all that. The next collection, all is Gilbert's stuff in the first year. Yeah. I'll do the something. way this stuff came out was crazy. This comic that we're looking at is the original Love and Rockets run. That went from 1981 to 1996. Just like this. Oversized magazine mm-hmm. style issues where the brothers would each approximately do half each. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. 96, they stopped and they went solo. And Gilbert just did his own books and Jamie did his own books. But then none of them sold as well. Oh. And they were like, fuck, we shouldn't have stopped doing Love and Rockets. Like, people <laughs> liked Love and Rockets. Yeah. So then in 2001, they came back and then the second volume of Love and Rockets came out. I mean, they were just doing their own characters and their own books. The continuity just continued. Yeah. yeah. Then in 2001, the second volume of Love and Rockets, which was a regular comic book-sized thing, they did that for five years, where they were each doing, like, half uh-huh. an issue. Uh, then they stopped that, and then... Uh, and Gilbert would always, on the side, do his own... He was, like, three times as prolific. He'd yeah. be doing, yeah. like, his own graphic novels. He wrote Birds of Prey for a while for DC. Oh, right! And, oh, I um, have to find that. And he did That's Dark Horse comics wow. of separate stories. And then in, uh, like, four or five years ago, they were like, we're just going to do one issue a year. It'll be, like, a big trade paperback oh, wow. size yeah. thing where Jamie will do half, Gilbert does half. And that's, so now Love and Rockets Volume 3 has one issue a year. They're up to issue five. That's great. Well, I, oh. I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a much more satisfying way to sort of, I don't know. As I get older, I feel like it's a more satisfying way to. Like yeah, you just get a big chunk of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is how a lot of people would intake media anyway nowadays. I mean, yeah. I've well, watched trades were selling, and their little individual <laughs> issues weren't selling. They're yeah. like, well, we'll just do the trades then. Well, how frequent? And that, that's a question too that I wanted to ask very quickly. Um, how frequently would an issue come out? Because they only went up to fifty in the first volume, right? Yeah, it was variable. Yeah. Three or four a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. This huh. is April 87 is what this is dated in here. Yeah. I'm going to do some Wikipedia learning after this. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. I don't know why it's called Love and Rockets. I think they just wanted something that sounded cool. Yeah, they succeeded. It, just like yeah. sci-fi cool, yeah. nerds were like, what's a cool sounding name? If a rock band steals your name, like, that's <laughs> cool. like the, yeah. Cool, yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for thank coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. Um, would great. you like to uh, please plug away, starting with Will? Listen to our podcast, uh, UCB Long Form Conversations. It's on iTunes. Mm-hmm. It's on the internet somewhere else. 
uh, oh, Lipson, Lipson, our yeah. hosting provider. Yeah, we talked to UCB performers and writers each week. Matt Little was a guest. I was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was a great episode. I actually enjoyed that episode a lot. Oh, loved, thank you. I did too. Uh-huh. I thought that was really great. And we talk about uh, their comedy history and theories and stuff like that, and we like it. Yes. Right? I love it. Yeah. And where can, uh, where can people find you online, Will? Uh, follow my Twitter, why don't you? It's Will Hines, W-I-L-L-H-I-N-E-S. Um, and you can see me in Airwolf at UCB East every Saturday at 10.30. It's a long-form improv show. And you can follow my Twitter, John J. Frusciante. J-O-H-N-J-F-R-U-S-C-I-A-N-T-E. Like the guitarist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but not. Yeah. But right. not. That's right. Do you get a lot of people tweeting at you? Expecting not that? anymore. I wish yeah. I did. I used to get it a lot more, and it was great. <laughs> um, Famous new album. I used to get... Uh, um, I did... This happened last year. I don't know if it'll happen this year, but last year I got a bunch of happy birthday tweets on his birthday. <laughs> That's great. Um, and I used to, in the old days of email and stuff, used to get a lot of emails to my Hotmail account from people who thought they were emailing him. Like, uh, can I buy your painting? When are you coming to Brazil? You know, will yeah. you play this song? Did you ever respond? Mm, I, I I think I would try to respond in a way that was very neutral, like not sure. confirming not or denying. Them, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I also, one time, when I first opened a Hotmail account, Hotmail had like a chat thing. I forget what the chat service was. But I got a chat invitation from somebody whose name was Anthony Dotkitas. <laughs> so I'm almost positive that he saw that and thought that he was chatting with, uh, that, thought he was like connecting with the other John Frusciante. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so, yeah. So that. So follow me on Twitter for that kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys. Awesome. You can go to our website, mattbreadlovecomics.com, where you can check out all the back issues, go through. Check them out. Uh, you can check out a couple of episodes that Will's brother Kevin has been on. Oh, yeah. Um, we've cool. had a great time with yeah. him in the past. Yeah, he's, a, he's an aficionado. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, knows uh, his stuff. You yeah. can also um, go to our Facebook page, talk to us there, because we'll talk back to yeah. you with words. Uh, <laughs> with words. Instead, instead of symbols, instead of, language, uh, instead instead of emojis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. You can go to the website to get all that, and that information. You can uh, shout out... To our producer, Ben Ragib. Ben. For putting this up online tonight, so it'll go out tomorrow. Yes. And as a reminder, <laughs> uh, next week, Tuesday, February 5th, at Fontana's at 7 p.m., Comic Book Club Live, followed at 8 p.m. by Matt and Brett Love Comics, featuring the crew of Comic Book Live. Yeah. Comic Book Club Live. Yes. Uh, we're really excited about it. It's our first live show in front of a crowd. Yeah, doing um, the podcast. Yeah, except for the time that we watched, we immediately did a podcast in the After Avengers Theater and lobby. did a podcast about the Avengers movie in front of an audience who went to go see the Avengers movie. Yeah, we so. had to keep slowly moving away from the crowd because we kept spoiling what we had just seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for coming, and we'll see y'all. Yeah. Till next time. This is Matt. This is Brett. We love comics. We do.